Welcome to the Morning Mindset Season 2 with Nick Mirabello, Chief Inspiration Officer at MP. The Morning Mindset will send you off into your day with an extra boost of energy, optimism, and mental clarity. As we continue to navigate these uncharted waters amidst this global pandemic, it's vital to keep our thoughts and actions positive. Scientific studies have shown that 40% of our happiness and mood are controlled by our mindset and behavior. Each episode of The Morning Mindset will give you simple tips and strategies to harness your thoughts to create mental clarity, boost your confidence, and prevent emotional ruts. By clearing out your mental clutter and shifting your mindset, you can tap into your inner wisdom and discover the power of positivity. Additionally, in Season 2, Nick will be interviewing an array of thought leaders throughout our nation to see how they have thrived through the adversity of the pandemic. And here's our host, Nick Mirabello. Hello, this is Nick Mirabello, and welcome to The Morning Mindset. Before I introduce today's guest and share the conversation with you, I think you're all going to love it and gain a lot from it. I need to share a quick, short story about a profound quote I read nearly two decades ago. It was early 2000s, and I felt it has really shaped the part of my career and how I carry myself within every human I encounter. The location was the Eastern Shore of Maryland, a local establishment called Market Street Bistro. Standing by a high-top table, I noticed an old plaque on the wall inscribed a quote. I walked over, leaned in to get a closer look, and it read, There are no strangers, just friends we haven't met yet. There are no strangers, just friends we haven't met yet. Boom! I loved it. Imagine if our world took this approach. Well, I share that quote because it certainly resonated with me, and throughout my life, I've carried that philosophy. I truly do enjoy meeting and connecting with people, and if there's a slight chance I can inspire them, help them out, boost their confidence, I'll go for it. I'm talking any little interaction can make a world of difference. A perfect example, from 04 to 2014, those 10 years, I traveled a lot on the road. I purposely didn't have easy pass just so I could have that three-second interaction with every toll booth attendant. Well, fast forward to this remote work world we find ourselves in. Connecting with people certainly brings its challenges through the screen, through the phone. Can't go and shake someone's hand or meet someone at a conference anymore these days. Recently, one Saturday morning, I happened to be scrolling through the LinkedIn newsfeed over my breakfast. And there was this one profile and name that really caught my eye. Chris Simon, executive coach. So I looked a little further. I foster growth and development individuals, teams, and organizations. I help develop people to become the best version of themselves, which leads to creativity, ingenuity, efficiency, and profitability. I help individuals find balance between life and work. I empower leaders to get the best of themselves. I increase individuals in team productivity. I transform managers into leaders. (sighs) That's all I needed to read. I said I need to connect with this gentleman. This is outstanding. So, right there, as I took one more slurp of my uh, honey bunches of oats, I decided to send Chris a connection. I entitled it Inspiring. So I said, Hello, Chris. Seems like you've inspired a lot of people on your journey, shifting mindsets and changing lives. Admirable. I carry that same passion to help others become the best version of themselves. Every step of my career, that's been my main focus, to bring the best of my colleagues and community. Wishing you continued success and hope to connect with you. Thank you kindly. Nick M. Well, to my surprise, it was very nice. Very quickly, I get Nick. Thanks for reaching out. Last week, in fact, I was talking with Amanda from More Health on a call, and we hit it off quickly with our similar view of personal professional growth and leadership, and she mentioned you were someone I need to get to know. She was actually planning on sending us an e-intro. Well, better yet, you beat her to it. I would love to learn more about you and the great work you're doing. Let me know if you're interested in connecting on a Zoom call.
Well, nonetheless, that Zoom call turned to a quick friendship. Morning Mindset listeners, here's our interview with Chris Syme, the executive coach. And a quick disclaimer, the audio may be slightly different than you're hearing now, but granted it was over Zoom, but I think you'll quickly discover and hear the content is rich and Chris is a fabulous person, leader, and terrific guy doing some amazing work out there. So we're going to pick up right in the beginning of our conversation when I asked Chris to share his philosophy when he's coaching executives, his clients, and different managers and leaders. Um, I asked him, how does he get executives that he's working with to maybe slow down for a moment that he can see and understand their vision, but to coach them through the growing process and to potentially guide them to shift their mindset? It's a great question. And I'll, I'll actually use a woodworking analogy to start with it. So um, there's something called old growth pine and new growth pine. Now we use pine for studs and, and houses and everything. And we commercially grow and harvest pine trees. With that, we water them, we give them nutrition, and you know the rings that you see in the middle of a tree? Yes. Nowadays, because we know the optimal condition to grow a pine tree, the rings are super far apart. And it actually makes them not as strong and not as stable because they grew too fast. And so if you look at some old, when I get wood from old barns, mm-hmm. or from people that have in their attic, and you can see these very tight um, rings on it, it's actually better quality, it's stronger, there's more character to it because it has all this. I think about that as the same analogy for people. When we grow so fast, we don't have the ability to truly understand in every way that we're growing. We don't have the ability to really focus that growth into what areas are important to us, what areas are not. And when I help people who who just want to get there fast, I ask them like, do you want a new coat of paint on the house? Or do you want to make sure that the house is in good standing and then Mm -hmm. see if it needs painting Mm -hmm. and then paint it appropriately the first time? And that's the analogy I like to use. I love that answer, Chris. That's excellent. You can keep, you can keep going, please. Yeah. And so when people are asking, hey, I want to grow fast, I had this conversation with, with a, a leader of a coachee I had last week and said, hey, we were one of them to grow in this way and they haven't grown this way yet. And you're, you're on month four of a six month engagement. What's going on? And I wasn't flustered. I, I straight up told him and said, okay, my goal for our coaching engagement is to get, my coachy, your uh, employee to this part, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. We, in order to actually get there, we had to take four or five steps back to, t- to work about some of the foundational issues that they never learned in the leadership training course because they didn't have one because mm-hmm. they've been a doer for 20 years in their career. They never had courses on leadership development, on team dynamics, on clear communication styles. And so we're going back to these foundational principles that, Unless you went to an MBA program or a specific leadership coach, most people, even in their 40s and 50s, don't know how to clearly communicate a message, how to set clear boundaries for uh, and expectations for a project and how to appropriately create an environment of accountability with their team members. And so we're talking about all these foundational leadership principles. And once that foundation is laid, then we can get to this next area of growth that you're looking to achieve and have it grow not just in a sustainable way, but a way that will continue to flourish and excel in the future. It will evolve into an even better version because we're not, the analogy I like to say, just putting a new coat of paint on this. We're fixing all the holes. We're fixing all the cracks and making sure this is beautiful so this new coat of paint will last forever. And we live in an area, in a culture where I think so many people want that fast growth. And Mm. so part of my job as a coach is to say, ah, one, if you want fast growth, 
don't go to me. I've got a couple other coaches you can go to. But if you want someone to really go to the heart of the matter to develop a character and integrity driven leadership with the personality and the character to support that, that I can do. And what we're doing, we're going so down deep, you're not even gonna see some of these results. But we're going to second order change where they change the way they think and they change the way they engage, not just the results. And right there, I lose a lot of clients because they just want the fresh coat of pain and just want the person to act differently. And I said, that's easy. You can tell them to read a book. You don't need to hire me. Right. I love that authenticity. It's it's beautiful because it's so important for people to see that their foundation is strong, but people don't see that behind the chip paint. But then you can get down to the roots of it, if you will. And and the key is the times, and it is challenging because I've had talks and conversations with executives as well, but the purpose of slowing down at times is good. It's the analogy of the bow and arrow effect, they call it. You need to pull back sometimes to launch forward. And I think you're helping people do that for a moment. You can help them slow down for a moment, believe in themselves, build off that foundation that they have, and then find the beauty, find the richness that, that they have that can really blossom. Ah, it's great stuff, Chris. Once again, here we're with Chris Simon. Uh, the next question I have to ask you is, as you, if you don't mind with this being the morning mindset, and we're all trying to wake up and kind of shift our mind to the positive, if you can enlighten us a little bit on, there may be times in your life journey, in your career journey, that it may have felt not so bright. You know, you really didn't feel successful that day or that morning, or maybe there was a rut that we all hit. Can you share if that's happened in your journey and what you did to kind of shift the mindset to overcome that obstacle, to face that adversity? One of the, the first stories that come to my mind is actually when I sold my previous company. Oh, is this when you sold a business in Denver to move to Arkansas? Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. yes, tell enlightenment. So this is a big example, and I can use a smaller one as well. Great, please do both. That question makes me think of when I sold my previous company. Um, my uh, first 10 years of my professional career, I was an addiction therapist, and I started an addiction treatment center on Denver, Colorado, an outpatient one, and really wanted to create a good therapeutic experience for people. And so I was young, I was arrogant, I was 27. I thought I could do it better than everybody else. So I started my own treatment center sure. and uh, avoided all the pitfalls I saw other people making and fell into all a completely different set of my own. And in that, um, I was chasing after creating a company where I could take a step back, where I could be an executive director, run over and not be a clinician. And um, we were getting close to there and doing great work, serving our population um, well, which is what I was most desired about, but also on the background of, okay, so I can take a step back. We can make a good income. Um, I don't have to be in the trenches as much and to be more of the, the overarching conductor of the orchestra, as I like to phrase it. And um, we found out we were pregnant about two years before that happened. Wow. And a uh, wonderful blessing. My son, Judah, is three now and, and changed our life in every single way possible and so much for the better. And my wife and I were sitting down and said, I think we need to, to get out of this. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is I was working 50, 60 hour weeks, mm -hmm. um, odd hours, 10 to eight, very difficult for a, a newly married man sure. uh, to have a healthy relationship with my wife. But as we're going to bring a, a, a child into that to say, okay, we, we just hit it. We're making the best money we've made in our life. We're doing a whole lot of good, um, fulfilling the vision and passion we had of helping people elevate their lives, but at a cost to our family that it wasn't worth it. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people think I was crazy that just when we were really starting to, to make the money and the investment off of it, we decided to sell it. 
And the reason for that is the opportunity cost was not worth the gain. To work those hours, to have the stress on myself, to hear dark stories of people every single day and to be emotionally spent when I came home. There are some nights I come home, my wife knew to have dinner ready and Netflix already primed and ready because I was emotionally spent and there's nothing left to give her. I bet. And for, there were some times where I, or I held that with a badge of honor. But as I got older and as our relationship deepened and thinking about bringing my son into life, that's not what I wanted for him. I didn't want uh, to be the dad who came home absent. Um, as an addiction therapist, I saw so many clients who made their millions in their 50s and worked their tail off to get there and have lost their marriage and their kids as a result. Yeah. And all the irony is they did that for them, but they realized that's not what they actually wanted. They just wanted to, to play catch with them on the Saturday afternoon. And I, I think it hit me not later than I would have liked, but to realize the lifestyle it takes to run this treatment center is not the lifestyle that is important to me and that fulfills my values and visions for our family. And so it took us a year and we sold it and we moved out here to Arkansas to Bentonville, home of Walmart, where my wife's family is and she was born yeah. and bred. Okay. And, and we love it here and it's changed so much. And there's been times where it's been hard to do a, a major transition from being a therapist to an executive coach and the lifestyle shift, but realizing we now have the lifestyle we want. We're not slaves to our business. We're not slaves to money mm-hmm. and to, to prestige or image. We are slaves to nothing. What we're doing is pursuing a vision for our lives, which is a healthy family, um, a healthy engagement with our church and our community and my, my family my in-laws and pursuing work that is meaningful to us and able to survive, not to chase the almighty dollar, not to, to write the next best-selling book or to be the next famous coach or therapist, but to say we're doing good every single day and in a means that allows us to have a lifestyle that we're proud of. I love that. It's that, beautiful. That's, that's, that's fulfilling. And first of all, it's admirable work that you've, you've done and continue to do, but with the, Addiction therapy is is admirable, but then it's admirable of you to take that pause, to take that moment, look at the big picture, and look inward for a moment into your family and say, okay, we need to make a shift. And then to move you to your family to Arkansas, as you did. And speaking of Arkansas and the home of Walmart, and also uh, is it the Sam Walton Business School of Arkansas? They're also a client of yours. You've done some great work. You've had some excellent clients uh, that you've worked with. If you want to share a little bit of the work that you do with your clients, uh, I'd love to hear a little bit more of that and let our listeners know what you do. Absolutely. So um, I was blessed with an opportunity um, to transition to coaching. Somebody really liked uh, what I talked about from a therapeutic stance and, and said, can you do that in a coaching framework? And I said, well, yeah, I can take the same ideas and just move into the business. Uh, family systems theory is really what I take from a therapeutic standpoint, which just means everything's interconnected, right? Mm-hmm. You can't just have one person change and then everybody around them change the system exists and so what i did is i just took my same therapeutic mindset and put it into the business world of how can the leader be the best leader they can be by being authentic to themselves by knowing their vision and their value how can a team be the best team they can be by actually knowing each other by building trust and support for each other to actually caring so that when people ask for for projects or help it's not this transactional thing where Oh, they're just asking for more stuff. It's no, I care about them. I care about who they are and I care about where we're going as a company. And so what I do is executive coaching, senior team dynamics, um, uh, helping people create vision and mission for their organizations to say, how can we figure out who you are? What is unique about you? 
How can we make that shine in a way that you have more happiness and joy in your business and your career than you've ever had? And that because of that, you bring all that creativity, ingenuity, and passion so that you your company makes more profit. The culture is better. Work-life satisfaction is better for your you, your team, the organization as a whole. It is a win-win for everyone. Hmm. And so my job is just helping people do that to create that lifestyle, that work environment they always desired for themselves and their employees so that people can flourish. And with that, I don't work with everybody. I've had a lot of clients where I said, I'm not the best fit for you because it's not my job to convince an organization that healthy environment and culture is Mm -hmm. worth the investment. But for those who already understand and say, yes, we believe in our people. We don't know what they want or how to best support them. Then with my background in therapy and and organizational psychology, I can say, great, let's begin to change this organization, this culture uh, of, of the business and say, okay, let's have vision and purpose in how it's going to act and let's move it there rather than, well, this is just the people we hired and how the culture evolved to say, no, we're going to do this very intentionally, just as we do with an individual, let's do it with a company. So then people are proud of the place they work at. They look forward to going there every day. And then they're excited and proud to do the best work they can to put their stamp of approval on and said it, I did this with integrity. I did this um, at a high standard and high quality. I can go home and I liked who I was at work and now I'm ready to go home and I like the lifestyle I have. And so, wow, life's pretty good. And it's because it's all done with that intentionality. Ah. And morning mindset listeners, I told you I'd be fired up to talk to this gentleman. It's, it's so great talking and jiving with you, Chris. So let me ask you this. How do you handle when people that in your line of work, and I like how you said that, hey, maybe I'm not the right one for you. But I've seen also that people will say, um, oh, we don't want to invest in that because it's the soft stuff. Now, I personally think that sometimes the soft stuff is the hard stuff. So when you've heard that or something similar, how do you combat that? Or maybe combat's not the right word to say, but how do you handle that? That's a great question. How There's a negative connotation with the idea of soft skills. And the way I reframe that is soft skills aren't soft. They're called leadership skills. And a lot of work I've done is around the VP level where people have transitioned from that doer to a manager, figured that out, now really trying to transfer from a manager to a leader to where they don't produce anymore. And there's a big identity shift in there of saying, I no longer contribute directly. I contribute by inspiring and empowering other people. And that's what it's really about. It's how can I make them the best that they can be? Yes. So when people ask about the soft skills, I say they're not soft skills. They're leadership skills. A lot of my work is around VP level where they were a manager or a director for a period. They still contributed 50% of their time, but the other 50% of the time was leader. And now they're moving into pure leadership. Their identity, their self-worth that was based on how good of a product they could produce is gone. Now they're asking, how can I be a great leader? And, and what leadership is really about is how do you inspire? How do you empower? How do you bring the best out of people? How do you allow them to do what they excel at and get rid of all the barriers for them to do that? Because there's architects, there's counselors who are better than me. That was my view as a counseling agency. I'm the executive director. I hired people who are better therapists than me and I wanted them to shine. I didn't want to get in their way. Right. And that's what leadership is. And so when people talk about soft skills, I say, great, I'll use uh, engineering example. It's a field I work a lot in. Please. How well you can ar- draw a design and you can um, create a stairwell that looks beautiful has nothing to do with how you lead a team. And people say, well, I, I 
but I was a project manager and I can do this. Or I led a, a small team of, of nurses on a floor. I'm like, yes, but managing task is not the same as managing people. Managing people is how do you see the best out of them? How do you encourage them to grow? How do you give them the support they need that they don't even know they that is required that they're missing? How can you give them that self-belief that they are more than just what they do to where they can rise and become the next type of leader? Those are what we call soft skills. Those are leadership skills. How do you can collaborate across departments? Again, if you become a leader in any organization, how can you get buy-in from multiple people around the table? How can you cast a clear vision of where we're trying to go and get people amped and willing to follow you? Those yes. are what people call the soft skills. And if you look at any great leaders, th those are the bare minimum of leadership skills if you actually want to make a, a difference in a company and organization. Learn how to empower, to inspire to build collaboration, to gain buy-in across departments. If you can understand those early in your career, you are going to make a massive change in your organization and then just in the world because you're seeing that what business is really about, it's about people. Right. right. All business is people. One of my favorite triangles to draw is if you look at business, it's people making or providing a product to people. Two-thirds of it is people. And yet so much, we put so much effort on the product or the service and say, no, if you can understand your internal team, if you can understand the external people you, you, you work with, I mean, you are going to excel. And those are the soft skills that many people talk about. Yes. And bringing people to the reach their potential and finding that positive light in them and helping them shine, make their time shine. It's fantastic. And there's a great quote out there. It says, leadership would be easy if it wasn't for people. It's all about leading people and managing their different personalities and really tapping into them. And I, I love it. You're going to be able to, um, of course, learn here more from Chris Simon. So if you want, please follow on LinkedIn. I'm going to put everything in the show notes, Chris. But this gentleman, you got to follow on LinkedIn on hashtag Chris Simon. Always put out great content, my man. I, I don't know how you do it. it. It's, it's, it's impressive. There was something that you said. If you don't mind, I'm going to actually share it word for word. Four months ago, you post on LinkedIn. Um, and we were kind of talking about this previously before this episode, but I like things to be perfect, you know, to meet the standard in my head. This includes posts, emails, videos, reports, everything. My desire for perfection hurts me more than it helps me. Sometimes good enough is good enough. So as a business owner, your time is limited. It's a commodity. My time is better spent elsewhere than perfecting an email. The challenge is knowing when 80% is best, 100% is required. I don't like this truth. I want things to be perfect, even when it hurts me. That resonated with me so much, Chris. You wrote that four months ago, got a massive traction on it. People were giving it all these reactions and comments. And it was so refreshing as a leader, as an executive leader like yourself to hear that because sometimes myself and I know others are guilty. We let perfect be the enemy of good and how to use our time wisely and efficiently, effectively. So if you can dive into that a little more, like the roots of where that came from, what sparked that, and then after you wrote that, what you felt in the reaction you got from it. Yeah, uh, I'll actually tell you, and this may not surprise you at all. I actually got the inspiration and wrote that post sitting in a lumberyard. Ah. When I was picking up uh, um, some wood I was getting for a project I was working on, and a bit of it was damaged. And the frustration that was in there, but also going through, of, I'm not going to use a lot of this. It's cut off, it's waste. I can work around it. And it just hit me as like, wow, how often do I put this perfection, this 100% expectation on everything I do? And I get myself amped up, frustrated, and create this internal spiral 
within myself that I carry with me into the next interaction and the next interaction, sometimes for the rest of my day. And this is where you and I talk a lot about this, Nick, is the power of mindset is when I want something perfect. Well, for one, perfect doesn't exist right. <laughs> here on earth. Right. And it, it doesn't. And so whatever that standard is, 100%, anything, there are times when that is needed and there's times when it's not. I'll use an example from back when I was a therapist. I did a lot of speaking engagements, one or two a month. And at first I tried to be the very articulate, perfect um, words, phrases, all this um, to show that I was an expert. I did the same thing. I was doing some, some webinars with the University of Arkansas, their school of business, and I actually got a poor response. And I put this through my counselor hat and it began to make sense. Nobody relates to a perfect person on a pedestal telling you why everything is perfect in their lives or how to do everything. We relate to people who are broken, who make mistakes, who screw up every day, all day long. And, but still are, have the ability to stand up and say, I did good. And when I was writing that post, I'm like, perfect may actually be the enemy. If we have this idea that I have to be perfect in everything, how much do I lose by something being 98% and be like, man, I messed that up. <laughs> right. And I'm thinking about it here and I've got a couple um, charcuterie boards and butcher blocks and stuff that I built and selling to some friends and like, oh, there's a dent there in the side and this and, and in a wood piece of wood. I'm like, that's character. Exactly. Right? Yes. The whole barn wood is huge right now. I'm like, but when I'm looking at a report or a PowerPoint, how, why is that not character? Why can't that actually be a fingerprint that this means Chris Simon is like, oh, there's that typo. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. It's, it's more about the typo or. Here's, I don't have to do this perfect professional picture in this PowerPoint, but here's a funny one of me and my kids that actually helps people relate to me because mm. I'm a family man like they are. Right. And still communicates the message on a professional level. And I think it goes back to this idea of we're all people and people are broken. We make mistakes. And so if I have this high standard, all I do is live life constantly disappointed. And rather than do that, we have to say, you know what? There are times where I need 100%. Ah, I can really count on one hand the past six months that something needed absolute 100%. The rest of it, 90% is good, 80% is good. Sometimes 50% is good. Because if I'm writing an email to you about this, do I need to make sure every every punctuation is right, that there's no double spaces that my space bar does all the time that drives me nuts, or all <laughs> this kind of stuff? I'm like, no. And so no. like, do I need to spend an extra 30 seconds editing that email? No, it's you. You'll be like, oh yeah, Chris is busy. He sent me an email. And it's, it's putting that in the context of like, what is the context? Is it a professional report? Is it a thing with your family? There's some things with my family that actually deserve 100% more than my business. Yes, well and said. And what I've learned to do is like, is step back and say, what part of myself does this really need and require for one? And right. two, how do I follow my values and my vision for my life? If giving this 100% actually takes me away from there, then that's not the right place to put my time and my energy. Ah, refreshing. I love that. And nothing rings true, my friend, than looking at the year 2020 that we're having still if, of perfection not taking place, right? And Chris, in the pandemic that we're in, how did you have to pivot your business or your mindset through these challenging times? Um, well, how's it been for you? How's it been the adjustment? I'll be honest, it's been rough. And so hopefully, hopefully a lot of people relate with that. I, it's six months into this. I have a coaching consulting business and um, Almost all of my clients have canceled or paused in March. About 50, 60% of them have re-engaged. 
Um, I've been really hard time getting new work because I, I, I'm the double duo, right? The first thing I get kept is consultant and second is HR and I'm both. Right. And so <laughs> um, I, I'm trying to do this. And, and even though I believe this is the best leadership crucible we will ever experience in our careers. How, how did you use the pandemic to become a better version of yourself? Finding companies who understand that is hard. And so I've struggled. I mean, my wife and I, we've been at half pay since March. Yeah. And, and it, it's actually taught us a lot of things of what we need. It's actually been a really good experience. I'm actually re-engaging in the counseling realm. I'm going back to one day a week of counseling um, because it's a skill set I can use very well and I'm good at and do that one day a week for some consistent income. But also, I think the hardest part for me is I've been on business development mode like 98% of the time right. between LinkedIn and posts, coffees, lunch, and all that. And I'm not actually doing what I love, which is coaching and helping people. Right. Not that posts and, and articles don't help, but to sit with someone one-on-one. So part of the reason I'm going back to therapy is I just want to sit with people and help people out. And it also serves that purpose of getting some income. Um, I accept an adjunct professor teaching uh, in the master's program here in Arkansas and counseling too. So close. I mean, coaching, therapy, counseling, teaching, they're all similar. I want to help people become the best versions of themselves and, and find some happiness and contentment with who they are. And I think, I'll be honest, I got lost in the money for a while of coaching. It's a very lucrative uh, place. Um, but as you also under, uh, understand, a lot of consultants do, uh, you, I may get charged five, $600 an hour sometimes, but they don't see the 30 hours it takes to, to put that into place right. for the five hours of work that came from it. And so if you do the math, I may be down to like $30 an hour now. <laughs> and it, It's that, su- that success arrow, that success line we were talking about earlier. People think it's a straight arrow from point A to point B, but it's, it's a lot of squiggles, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of curveballs, a lot of detours. And it's how you handle that. And it's how you handle the the detours in life the obstacles the roadblocks but a person like with your mindset and grit and authentic genuine passion for life and helping others you get through that so can we pull out some civil linings that that we've learned from uh, the year that we're having and how you're moving forward um if you want to enlighten some of our listeners on that please yeah, and I'll actually say I'm doing a dramatic pivot in my business. Um, I've been purely executive coaching and consulting for three years, and I'm purposely going back to therapy partially for enjoyment. I don't enjoy sales and marketing. That's not what I do. I love sitting with people and helping them. And so I, I got lost in the money, and I was chasing the money for a long time and realizing, man, I just want to go back to my roots, go back to my vision and my values. Hmm. My vision is to help people become the best versions of myself of themselves. Mm-hmm. And my five values are faith, family, uh, character, empowerment, and encouragement. And so I'm like, how can I do those? I'm like, well, I'm going to go back to therapy and be a therapist one day a week. I'm going to teach the next generation of therapists. I'm going to keep consulting one or two days a week, keep coaching one day, day a week. Um, I'm a stay-at-home dad one day a week because so my, my wife can go to school and work. And it, as we sit back and be like, wow, this is actually pretty nice. The pandemic has forced me to look at my life and some of my values and then said, what do I want and how am I actually living out my values that I have right here on the plant in my office on the card yes. I look at every single day? Oh, I love that. Um, to say, how am I living these out? And um, doing this compilation of work is just that. Coaching, I love, but... To do business development 40 hours a week and coach five, that's not for me. But if I do therapy for a day, I do some teaching, I do some consulting with a company I work for that I love, 
and I'm just slowly feeding relationships that will lead to coaching engagements. Wow, I get to do so much more than what I do versus 90% of sales and business development, which I don't like for the 10%. I'm like, that math doesn't work out. And I experienced a little bit of depression and struggle with my own family of like, man, I don't enjoy work. And so this has really shown me like what aspects of work do I really enjoy? How can I do more of those and, and not eliminate, but bring down the ones I don't and find a way. And, and through the pandemic, I've actually been able to take a step back and say, it actually is going to look like this. And what will it look like in three years? I have no idea. But as as a, as a husband, as a father of a three-year-old and 18-month-old, the flexibility that all this provides to, to spend time with them one day a week, to do slow mornings and breakfasts with them, and to not have a non-traditional job. And to be honest, I'm probably sacrificing a, a significant amount of pay to do it. But I've made a very conscious decision that money is not what I'm after. I'm after quality of life. And I can obtain that quality of life not making six figures. And I think it's taken me a long time to get there. And I think a lot of people struggle. It has to look this way. I'm like, actually, no, it's going to, it looks really great. Right. And we can still go on vacations. We can still do all this, but we don't need a mansion. We don't need fancy cars and we don't need a boat. Like I need time with my boys and time with my wife. Yes. And I've made, made very specific decisions to create a lifestyle where I can do that. And I realized that enemy of great is good. Those things were good things, but they actually took them away from what I want, which is family, friends, faith, community, the richness of people. And the, my job should empower that, not steer me away. I'm fired up. It's those priceless moments that the rich and fulfilling that, that Chris, you're sharing right now, which I know our listeners are really enjoying. I'm honored to be with you right here on this on this call, this podcast, this episode. Um, we talk a lot about on the morning mindset, Chris, is of, of how to shift our mindset. Morning routines are big. And we can dive in a little bit, yours, but there's something that you said the other day on LinkedIn about how you end your day routine. I think that's important if we can take a moment to talk about that because there's a lot of people that are not commuting anymore to their jobs and we're all under one roof, whether it's schooling kids, they're under one roof, um, you know, partners are working under one roof. It's a lot of bandwidth going on, right, on our Wi-Fis these days. But how do you replace the commute and maybe end your workday to decompress that for a moment to before going into family life? And I think a lot of our listeners would benefit um, hearing your advice on that. Great question. Uh, when I was a therapist, again, a lot of this parallels. Sure. Um, I would hear six to eight hours a day people's deepest, darkest secrets and how they could work on it. And I, I needed my commute home to be able to decompress, to shift my mindset, to take my business and therapeutic hat on and put my family hat on. And sometimes I'd sit in the parking lot of my townhouse in Denver for five or 10 minutes. I always listen to jazz and classical music on my drive home to consciously calm me down. It was a, a decision to use that as a cue to shift from business Chris to home Chris. And uh, I just wrote an article on this for the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal um, that we can share a link to in this yes, uh, about five practical ways to separate home and work life when you work from home. And so as I'm here in my home office, um, it's about 12 feet to my home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and with that is I don't have a half hour or 20 minute commute to, to shift, but I need to do it because what happens if I just shut my computer and walk out the room? 
all the business emails, all the project I'm working on are still swimming in my head. Right. And I'm no long, I'm not going to be present with my family. Right. And so uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of Michael Hyatt, but he has a great thing called the Full Focus Planner. I'm a huge yes. fan of it. And uh, one of the exercises and that I use all the time is daily rituals. And so I wrote a daily ritual of how do I end my workday? And what it is, is, is it's physical acts and mental acts to represent the mental shift that's going from work to home. Mm. And, and I'll even read it to you. I have it here Please. on a piece of paper that I look. And so my end of day rituals are this. I enter all my meetings into my HubSpot, my CRM. Talked with Nick. We had a great conversation about this. I make sure all my client notes are done. Um, I empty my inbox. I'm a big fan of having an empty inbox. I, I don't get a lot of emails a day and I, I do that purposely. Um, so either everyone's a answered or flagged and to take care of the next day. Um, I review tomorrow's calendar. How many times have you woken up and you come to the office at eight and at 8.15 you have a big meeting that need an hour prep, right? right? And so the end today well, so I can stop thinking about work. I look at the next day, what do I need? Is everything prepared? Great, I'm good. So now I can stop worrying about the next day. Um, I, going with Michael Hyatt, I identify my big three. What are the big three tasks I need to accomplish tomorrow? I can tweak them in the morning, but thinking, oh, I need to prep this interview with uh, Nick. Um, I've got another interview tomorrow that I need to make sure. And I've got uh, about a two hour project, consulting project I need to type up in the morning. Okay, good. I know roughly where the day is. Um, and these are the big three tasks I want to do. So in the morning, I know these are important. So I don't get distracted by the urgent. And it even allows me to go to sleep easier because I know my, I know what I need to do tomorrow. The next one I do is actually physically clean my desk. And this is the thing. I know a lot of people say I like messy workplaces and allow me. That's not me and a very few people I've met are. Um, what it does is it allows me to know what's going on. And so if there's a big stack of papers on my desk and I come in the next day and I see them, I'm like, what are those? Right? And so what I'm doing is I'm preparing my workspace for tomorrow. I'm ready to hit the ground running and to succeed and to thrive. Uh, the last two things I, I do is um, I close my computer, I plug it in, and then I walk to my bedroom, which is my phone charger's in, and I place my phone in my phone charger, and then I come out. And so between about five o'clock and eight, which is after bedtime with my boys, my phone's gone. Because what I've noticed is if my phone's on the counter, every time I walk by, I just tap it. Anything there? Anything there? It's like this unconscious thing. And so what I've realized is I don't have the self-control. I don't have the discipline. So take the temptation out of the way. Put my computer in the office, my phone in place. So I am present cooking dinner, playing with my boys, having time as a family, all of that. And so what I've done is all these little things. It usually takes 15 minutes to do this end-of-day routine. But what I do is I'm setting myself up for tomorrow. I'm going through this motion so that I, because that's set up, I can check out and I can go and be present. And so I've allowed all the ampness from the business of the day to, to mellow out in those 15 minutes, prepare for tomorrow, prepare to go out there, take a deep breath and be like, okay, I'm here and I'm present with my boys and my wife and I love it. Yeah. Oh, and I love it. And I know our listeners love that. And you inspired me because I've been a very, I have a huge advocate on morning routines and setting the tone for the morning. And I've done that for the past decade and I've done self studies and research and um, talked to others about it and preached and practiced and try to motivate others to do it. But I guilty of not doing the best of my evening routines. So thank you very much because of some of those tips right there. I'll be putting those in the show notes to our audience, but they can start that today doing that in their work day. Uh, I don't want this to end. We have uh, time for maybe two more questions. We'll dive into it real quick. I'll 
But when I asked you about your favorite book, it was... Yeah, Extreme Ownership, How U.S. Navy SEALs Lead and Win. Share a couple takeaways that you took from that book and, and why, why you... Right. Uh, it, it, it's written by uh, Jocko Willick and Leif Baven, and they have an executive coaching and consulting business and thriving. And part of my job is to read books. I, I read, my goal is to read 40 to 50 books every year and to, to know what's out there in leadership development. And I've read so many leadership development books that are just crap. Let's call it for yeah. what it is, right? <laughs> it's called Spade of Spade. And, 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 and so what, what I do is I find the books that I want my clients to read. And that's what, what um, Jocko and Leaf did here in this book, Extreme Ownership. It's nothing new. It's nothing revolutionary. But I think what comes from their U.S. SEAL, Navy SEAL training is the ability to be very clear and very succinct about an important topic. And so if you look through some of the topics here in the front of the book, it's about extreme ownership. There's no bad teams, only bad leaders. Uh, leaders. Check your ego. Uh, simplicity. Prioritize and execute. Planning. Leading up and down the chain. I mean, these are common business concepts that we talk about all the time. But I have every single one of my coaching clients read this and every single one have raved about it because they say it in very clear ways. Each, each uh, chapter starts with a story from their time in Iraq. Then they do a section on the business principle and then do a section on applying that business principle to business. I mean, like what a great adult learning theory, right? Brilliant. Seeing multiple examples. But when he talks about like the power of decentralized command is what they call it. But what it is is about giving ownership to people and leadership. They talk about giving the 18-year-old um, Marine some sort of responsibility so that they have that confidence. I'm doing something right. And so they just give these ideas about give people ownership. Even if it's the smallest thing, even if they're a 22-year-old junior person on your team or a 15-year-old high schooler who works at a – give them something that they can put their ownership on and they show up differently. Yes. And and, and, and it's those ideas. And, and then the whole idea of extreme ownership. We live in a blame and, and responsibility-deferred culture where nobody wants to take ownership and responsibility. And because of that, when people actually do it, it speaks volumes, even if it's the ownership of a mistake. We admire leaders who say, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. Let's fix it. We'd rather have that all day long. Mm -hmm. And so hearing that that's what they do in the Navy SEALs, <laughs> that that's right. what they do with some of the, the biggest, baddest people in the world, but also people who have an amazingly high standard. So there's a lot that we can learn from this. And that's something that I'll even be honest. My wife said after reading this book, she, she saw a difference in the way I engaged in our marriage and the way I owned my mistakes around the house and when I phrased things poorly to her or how I parent with my boys. And she's like, it changed everything. I'm like, yes, because everything I do is in, that is in my power. I can't control anything else. So I need to own it and do the best of it. And that's what this book is all about. And if you think about it from a marriage, from business, from parenting to friendships to faith, what would not be revolutionized by saying, this is all on me, this is all on my shoulders, not in an overwhelming way, but in a way of, okay, comes down to me. Therefore, right. I'm going to do it. I'm going to own it. And the results are on me. So let's do this. I'm in yes. uh, Accountability and relationships. Uh, I'm attitude of gratitude for sharing that and that takeaways. And that'll definitely be a book that'll be on my bookshelf soon. Thank you very much, I'm sure, for our listeners. And before we go, before we wrap up, um, another hashtag Chris Simon on LinkedIn recently you wrote and posted. It was beautiful, Chris. Today, my son turns three. I'm taking the day off to celebrate my amazing boy. 
And boy, that just skyrocketed with reactions and emotions and comments. I love that. That's the type of person Chris Simon is. He's an executive coach, a therapist, a leader, a father, a husband, a value-centric, passionately driven, and excellent human being. And I'm so blessed to have you on the episode today. I know our listeners are feeling the same way. Before I let you go, Chris, is there anything else you want to say to our Morning Mindset Podcast listeners and audience? I just want to say thank you so much for letting me be here with that Morning Mindset. You are in control of today. You can do it. And what matters is where you put your thoughts, where you put your mindset changes how you engage every interaction going forth. So the fact that you chose to listen to this already shows that you are better than most than you want to take those reins and take control and say, I can do this. I'm going to choose what's going to happen today. And so just continue in that mindset, continue in that belief that I'm going to control what I can control. I'm going to relinquish what I can't uh, control and I'm going to do the best I can. And so my prayer for you is at the end of the day, you can put your head on your pillow and said, I did good. I made a few mistakes, but I liked who I was. I liked the person who showed up and I'm proud of who I am. And so now I can sleep well tonight. Chris, thank you for making a difference in our lives just now in this power hour. It's been fantastic and a true honor. And I can't wait for our, our next conversation. I can't either, Nick. I'm so happy to have a partner like you in this. And so um, let's keep this going and keep doing the great work that you are doing. Well, there it was, my interview with Chris Simon, the executive coach. I hope you all took some simple strategies with you today that you can start putting into play to truly give yourself a healthy and positive start to your day. We all have it in us. I want you to envision the success, health, prosperous life you want for you and your loved ones. This is your daily reminder. You are stronger than you think. Your brain is brighter than you may believe. Your vision, your attitude, your self-talk matters. Lean into that and soon you'll discover all the good that happens in you and around you. This is Your Morning Mindset. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Morning Mindset. Do you have someone you'd like to be interviewed? Send an email to morningmindset at masspay.net or hit us up on social media at The Masspay Way. Enjoyed this episode and found it helpful? Please leave a five-star review so other people like you can find us. The Morning Mindset serves as your daily boost of inspiration and is powered by MP HR and Payroll Solutions. MP is a full-service HR and payroll provider. To learn more, go to masspaysolutions.com. Thanks for tuning in. The Morning Mindset. Harness your thoughts, take charge of your own well-being, and discover the power of positivity. Positivity.